0: Welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Marnie Parsons. For years, Marnie Parsons studied, taught, reviewed, and edited poetry and children's literature. In 2000, shortly after moving to St. John's, she began learning letterpress printing from book artist Tara Bryan and established Running the Goat Books and Broadsides. Initially an occasional imprint, Running the Goat is now a full-time printing and publishing operation, specializing in limited edition handmade books and fine trade books with a Newfoundland and Labrador emphasis. Marnie, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for asking me. Uh, So this is a treat, uh, because we get to talk about uh, books and all the kinds of fun stuff that I love uh, talking about that I don't often get a chance to talk about. Uh, Maybe just to start off with, when we talk about... Uh, when we say this word letterpress, what does that mean?
1: Well, letterpress printing is one of the oldest forms of printing. It uses movable lead types, so I set words by hand, each letter by hand, um, and then the uh, type is set up in the printing press, and each page of paper goes through the press by hand. And uh, it's all oh, the books are usually hand sewn as well, so it's all very hands on. It's very tactile, but the letterpress a- aspect is that it's it's using movable LED type or linotype, or and it's um, all hand done.
0: So where where did you uh, where did you get this equipment? Because some of your equipment is quite quite old.
1: A lot of my equipment is old. Um, well, there's a there's a great guy just outside of Toronto, a fellow named Don Black, and he and his son Craig buy old printing equipment and recondition it and sell it. So I got uh, my first printing press, which is a Vandercook SB15, which is a proof press. It inks electrically, but everything else is done by hand. I got that from them um, a long time ago. It must be it must be at least ten years ago. And then I bought a small tabletop platen press from them as well. And in twenty ten no, twenty eight, in two thousand and eight, I got a wonderful iron hand press. It's an imperial hand press that I got from Graham Moss and Kathy Whalen, who have a incline press in Oldham, England, just outside of Manchester. And that was built in London by uh, Cope and Sherwin in eighteen the eighteen thirties. And I had it shipped over. It's a beautiful, beautiful wow. machine. It's all it's it's totally hands on. And it's cast iron and it weighed in the crate it weighed literally a ton which surprised <laughs> the movers a bit and then most recently i've purchased um a heidelberg windmill press which is as automated as, as i'm ever going to get it's it's a it's an electric inking and an automatic feed and i got that from a box company in donovan's they were going to sell it for scrap and huh. tara bryan heard and said oh we can't let this go so they just said you know give us what we get for scrap and get it out of here yeah so now it's living in torsco
0: and i 've seen this this piece, this eighteen thirty piece that you that you have, which is quite a beautiful piece of machinery oh, it's yeah.
1: gorgeous, yeah it, it has little claws feet and it's, yeah it's really it's really a beautiful piece it, of machinery.
0: It, it was one of those you know pieces of uh, equipment that was built at a time when um, people believed that you know, industry could be beautiful as well as functional, you know, that these, these were pieces of art in their own way. They had great designers these yeah. in kind of the Victorian period.
1: Absolutely, and it was built to last. I, you know, it's, it works better than I am. I do. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little bit older than I am. It's about 180, so it's <laughs> a, little a little bit older. Little bit older. Bit older. I, yeah. When people come to the print shop, I let them you know, use it and show them, and I always tell them, yeah, like, it's in better shape than I am these days. So. Yeah.
0: And what about the type? Where does your type come from?
1: Well, the wood type I have, I actually, is from my home newspaper, my hometown newspaper in Leamington, Ontario. And I got it from a friend of my father who was the editor. And when he left, he, they weren't using it anymore and he was worried people would just use it for ornaments and put it on their desks. Yeah. So he took it all and said he would, he would give it to whoever he could find who would use it. And I was the first person he found who would use it all. So I've got this beautiful selection of wood type from, from home and then I have some metal type from Terra Bryan, but I also have type made. There's a, a really interesting, quirky, lovely man in skinny Atlas, New York, a fellow named Michael Bixler, who is, has a type foundry and he makes beautiful, beautiful types. So I have ordered type from him several times and, uh, so, you know, it comes set for whatever text I'm going to print and then I print it and then I put the type away and can reuse the letters oh, for all sorts of other projects.
0: Yeah, neat. <laughs> and uh, you, you mentioned Tara, uh, Brian, a couple of times. So she, she is a, a letterpress artist?
1: She's a letterpress artist and a painter and a book artist. Yeah. Um, and her press is called Walking Bird Press. And she taught me and she's taught Duncan Major who has well-purchased press and Robin McGraw who has Stone Cold Press up in Labrador. She's she's cultivating a little... Uh, Coterie of letterpress printers here, in Newfoundland <laughs> and Labrador. It's great.
0: Is there a is there a big community? Not I mean, not not in St. John's, but kind of in North America. Is there a kind of a, a group of people that kind of share ideas? Or
1: oh yeah, there, there are quite a few people doing letterpress. Uh, again, not so many in Newfoundland, but certainly um, mainland Canada in Ontario, a lot in BC, and then down in the states, and also in England. They have there a lot of people because it's it's easier to get the pr- machinery now because. They're not using it for commercial production so much, so it sort of it was coming up fairly cheaply, um, fairly inexpensively. Sorry. And uh, also, art schools are seeing a resurgence, emergence right. in letterpress, yeah, and printmaking. You know.
0: So, so how did you how did you come across this this press in England? It, it, it is.
1: Oh, I know Graham, and, oh, okay. and uh, he just happened to. Put, I'd actually seen the press. I'd been to visit him in Oldham and see. He's, he's got an amazing facility. It's an old mill, and so he lives the. First floor is a type setting place, and print, the second floor is for printing, and the third floor is for living. It's really quite wonderful. Anyhow, um, uh, he was put out a note- notice on a letterpress email bulletin board and said he had this press, he was going to sell it, and. And I had seen it, and I knew him, and I knew that if he said it was in good condition, that it was. So I right. just emailed back and said, let me go measure my back door. <laughs> It'll fit for the back door. I want it. Yeah. So, and, it
0: did. and so this was when you were still in St. John's.
1: When I was still in St. John's, yeah. And we put it into – I was in a row house on Mullock Street, and we had to bring it in behind the house because I had a walkout basement. So we – had to get it down the little garden path and into the house. Yeah, and now
0: you've created a new a new facility in yeah. Taurus Cove.
1: Yeah, the press has moved up to, to Taurus Cove on Cove Road. We're just down from the Five Island Gallery, so it's nice. It's like a little artist... Artist commune. commune. No, that's, that's it. That's great. it, and we got Catherine McCausland out there doing <laughs> textile work as well, so we're going to take over the southern shore. Um, but I had a purpose-built shed made, and it's, it's great. There's lots of room for all the presses. who can actually turn around which was a little hard to do in the old print yeah, shop. Yeah,
0: you, you had quite a small space quite, there. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, uh, and yes, yeah, it's, it's great. And there's a lovely storage area upstairs and fabulous view. Can't complain about that.
0: So. And does that inspire you to do more when you're when you're in that kind of situation? Like oh, absolutely! It's space, you know yeah. it's
1: it's way better than looking out the window and seeing your woodpile, you know. Yeah. So it's it's really lovely, yeah. And lots of people stop by, which is also really nice. Yeah. Um, because I'm right near the East Coast Trail, so people just sort of wander in and have a look around, and it's really, really fun. I'm amazed at the conversations I have. I meet an awful lot of people who had a grandfather who was a printer, or mm-hmm. uncle, or even people who who maybe, in their like late 60s, early 70s, who studied composition and typesetting when they were at school. It was part of the SHOP program for a while. Right, yeah. So it's it's pretty neat. We get some good conversations. And it is interesting
0: that it's one of these things that is kind of learned, you know, by having experiences with other people. You know, like you you mentioned about you know, learning from Tara Bryan yeah, and, and yeah. having this kind of network of people. And th- and I guess that was traditionally the way that people learned these skills it was through an imprint- apprenticeship and
1: absolutely. In fact, I mean, a, 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 an even better example of that would be Duncan Major, who started as a Tara's apprentice. I think he was about twelve years old or thirteen. And he does beautiful, beautiful work, yeah. and, uh, and uh, I mean, he's very busy right now because he's got a full-time job and a baby. But uh, <laughs> he's, he's going to take the letterpress world by storm, I think. He does fabulous stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and he just worked alongside Tara for years and, and now is just incredibly skilled. And he's transferred the skills that he learned from letterpress to graphic design, and he does computer graphic design, um, which he's more or less taught himself, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What is Waze Goose?
1: The Ways Goose was a traditional event that a printer would have, um, usually in the fall of the year. And they, it was often at the time when they would start working by candlelight. And it would be a special celebration, and there'd be a dinner and a sort of a party for the apprentices and the tradesmen and the journeymen. And so the Book Arts Association of Newfoundland and Labrador, which is somewhat active um we we call ourselves banal and we like our acronym <laughs> a lot uh, <laughs> we would have a waste goose and we would have it more as a gathering which would include um we'd invite a printer from away who could do some workshops and give us some some hands-on information and help us develop our skills uh, we would have a printer's fair where people could show their wares um Sometimes we'd have a historical night where we would talk about the history of some aspect of printing in Newfoundland. It was it was always a lot of fun. Um, on the mainland, people have ways. Goose, gooses are a little bit a little bit different because there's a, there's usually a bigger community to mm-hmm. draw on. People more printers will come from away to sort of show their wares, and often they'll be swapping m- equipment and materials. Somebody's got a press or thinks something they're not yeah. using anymore. They'll bring it along and they'll they'll have a bit more. But there's not really enough of us here on the island to make that take that direction for a waste goose yeah uh,
0: I wanted to ask about you, you know your, your printing um, and, and paper where do you get your paper from or do, do you source it from different places
1: I do source it from different places uh, I really like paper yeah. I don't make my own paper because <laughs> <laughs> it's messy. And I'm Are you a paper hoarder?
0: Are you one of these people that has all these sheaves of paper from different places? I,
1: I was for a long time, and then I finally decided I had to tidy up, and I gave a whole bunch of paper to the Anna Templeton team. They had the second sale in May, so I gave a whole bunch of uh, scraps and pieces of paper. And But but um, there's a, uh, a couple places in the States that import paper from Europe, so I work with them, I get a lot of Czechoslovakian paper. Dave Patton's recitations are on a a beautiful watercolour paper from Czechoslovakia, from a mill, a paper mill that is so old, they're talking about making it a world heritage site or something. And then I work on, with French paper, Italian paper, a lot of German paper. I'm working on a book right now with Jennifer Morgan and we're printing on a really lovely German paper. And then cover papers, um, I get get some of them from a paper mill in Montreal called Saint-Armand and they make Really lovely, lovely paper. All the Dave Patton's recitations have St. Armand <laughs> paper for, rec- for the covers. And then I get uh, Japanese paper as well. Yeah. So there's a real range.
0: Yeah. My my father's a bookbinder, and, and I remember you know being younger, and my father would just have closets of paper, you know, because yeah. he always had to have the, something to match something else, yeah. and and I think he was a bit of a, uh, it's a hard. hoarder. It's yeah. It's really
1: hard because I mean I even have little scraps. You know, yeah, we Never. Called offcuts, of and I keep thinking I'm going to use that one. Like, <laughs> really, I'm going to use it. And eventually, I did have to admit I wasn't going to use it. But, yeah. but there are always more offcuts too. So.
0: Yeah. What about ink? Where does the ink come from?
1: The ink I get from a place in Colorado called Na Graphics. So they do—they have a lot of letter plus supplies, and they have really good ink. So that's sort of the best. But it lasts forever. You can right. ink for ages, so you don't yeah. have to get a lot. But.
0: Yeah. And uh, so, when you started out, what what um, types of materials were you printing? What what uh, type of books were you were you producing?
1: I didn't do books at first. I oh, did okay. uh, broadsides or yes. broadsheets, single page. So publications. now explain yeah. explain what that means. It's a single sheet publication. Okay, so it's kind of like a sort of like a poster, but with more. And
0: where does details. that where does that tradition come from?
1: Oh, all over. Like I mean, it was very, very much English. People yeah. would print broadsides, which would be or broadsheets. I guess they call them in England more often. Um, and it would just be it might be a story or a song or mm. a collection of anecdotes or something. And then they'd go sell them on the streets. You know? Yeah. In
0: uh, in folklore, we have this great tradition of broadside ballads. Yeah, you know, which yeah. would be yeah. these things yeah, that we printed ballads, on yeah. the street. kind of the mass yeah. market stuff of the day, and people would have these ballads that would yeah. kind of enter into the vernacular tradition and yeah. out yeah. of the yeah. print tradition. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's that's. Yeah, well, the, so that's that's it. And the first thing I did was a poem by Agnes Walsh, and it was when I just went out to Walking Bird Press. Tara Bryan said, "Come out and see the printing presses; you'll like them." And she says that to a lot of people, and very <laughs> few people take her up on that. And it maybe it's a good thing because you take her up, and suddenly you've got a, you know a building in Torres Cove <laughs> with thousands of pounds of lead and type and cast iron and things. But uh, I went out with this poem by Agnes and. Printed it and just totally loved it. I completely fell in love with the process. So the first few things I did were, were just that. I went out and printed poems. And then the first chapbook that I did was by Carmelita McGraw called Coast Poems. And that was a series of poems that she had written. Really fabulous. I I, I was just learning it was not a great print job, but the poems were fabulous. <laughs> so, um, and I did that. I stuck with that for a little while, just doing chapbooks of poetry. I did a little accordion book um very limited edition. Uh, it was an alphabet book, but it told the story of me getting drunk and thinking I could play the accordion and finding out that I was mistaken. <laughs> did that as a Christmas present uh, for family and friends. That was good. Um, and then at one point I sort of I, I heard Mercedes Berry telling the story of Peg Bearskin at the ship pub for, it was a fun, well no it was a ship inn back then, at a fundraiser. And I just loved the story. I'd heard Anita Best tell it uh, years before, and uh, and and again loved it as well. But Mercedes had a slightly different, they, it was a slightly different adaptation. And I just remember sitting there thinking, I really want to print this. I really want to see that yeah. be a book. Yeah. And then with that, I I did really sort of change the direction of the press. I I printed that as a letterpress book as you know i was uh but a big ugly hairy woman so i made a big ugly hairy
0: book <laughs> right I'm, so describe the, 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 the there was some limited edition covers the
1: limited edition has uh, <laughs> it has a fur coat and it's and uh, and people complain it's not as ugly and hairy as it might be it's quite pretty actually but, but, yeah, yeah in a way yeah. Yeah, well you know so so is peg so in is her peg way in her own <laughs> so way. Is peg Absolutely. In her way and uh, but i actually i had uh, rachel ryan who's a textile artist design the little fur coat for it and and um and uh Oh, Garland Windsor, who is the father of Kara Windsor, or Kara Windsor hair, I guess she goes by. Uh, he, he sewed the coats for me because I'm not a seamstress. Anyhow, so I had these lovely fur jackets, and once the books were bound, they were just sort of put in like a fur dust cover, and they're just big and hairy. My daughter was <laughs> felt I should include a little comb so you could tend, <laughs> to, your, tend to your to your book, but I it, yes. didn't didn't go book quite unquote. Grooming, yeah. But uh, the, it was a great... It's a beautiful book. I still love it. It's one of my favorites. Ellie Cohen did line of cuts for it that are just fabulous. And, and,
0: the, and for people who aren't familiar with the, the story, this yeah, is a traditional yeah. Newfoundland folktale. Yeah, from yeah. Freshwater Placentia where, Bay, this version. Yeah, yeah. Where, the, where the heroine is yeah. this ugly, Big, ugly hairy, hairy woman. Girl, girl. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. and Anita uh, Best's version, the one she tells, was from Mr. Pius Power, of Southeast Bite. And this version, which is slightly different, was adapted by Andy Jones and Philip Dinn for Jack Five O. There they did a Their play a storytelling show in, a, in yeah, 1999 play, yeah. Yeah. Um, but theirs is based on a story by Elizabeth Brewster of uh, Freshwater and so it's a little bit different than Mr. Powers and then when you add the Andy and Phil combination <laughs> it becomes <laughs> even more different yeah. uh, it's it's great fun it's, it's a really fun fun story and, um, and but I, because it is such a great story and because the Handmade Limited furry version was rather expensive we did arrange to have a commercial version printed which is essentially a facsimile and Gasparo Press in Nova Scotia did that for me and that was sort of a turning point for the press because I imagined it to be the only trade book we would ever do or offset printed book we would do but pretty soon the possibility of working with Andy Jones came up again and I could sort of see the potential based on that first book and uh, so now the press actually has two directions really. There's a handmade letterpress printed part but there's also an offset production part that includes mostly um, folk tales. There's one little um, diversion from that I guess you'd say. It's a, a book by Joel Thomas Hines but it's also very much, it, for me it still has really strong roots in the folk aspect because it sort of is a story about a murder on the southern shore mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's very oral, a very spoken story in that. But all the other books that the trade books seem to be children's picture books about folklore, so yeah. it's great.
0: You, you mentioned about there was, that you liked the pr- the process of, of doing the work mm-hmm. with the letterpress. Uh, what, what is it about that that you love?
1: It's very tactile. It's very zen. I mean, it, you either love it or you hate it, and mm-hmm. I can tell really quickly people say to me, oh, we would love to do this. This will be so much fun, and I'll say, yeah, sure, come on out. Set some type, you know, <laughs> or put some, more important, put some type away. And if they get bored, you know, right away that they're just, you know, it's just not they like the idea of it, but the actual practical doing experience it. of it—it's you know—it's very repetitive. It's very you know labor-intensive, but it's very zen, and you kind of you get into that groove and you do it. Um, and I love the feel of the paper, I love the smell of the ink, I love the shape of the letters. I, I love spending time with words in that way because it's a very material way to think about words. Yeah. Uh, uh, my background is in English literature and poetry and things like that so I love words and it's just a whole other relationship with words and books, books as objects books as made things that have a physical presence and the physical elements of them have meaning and add to the meaning of the book so
0: yeah um, do you, I know this is like asking someone what their who their favorite child is or something but do you, do you have a favorite print project that you've worked on or one that stands out in your memory for some way
1: not supposed to answer that? <laughs> oh, I think um, it's a it's, a, I, um, it's,
0: a, it's a difficult question.
1: It yeah. is. I mean, and there and there are there there have been some really great ones and some really fun ones, but it's probably Peg because I just fell in love with that story and I fell in love with her. Yeah, you know, I have this very bad habit of falling in love with literary characters, um, and she's and I just love her and I love that. I mean it's quirky and strange it is quirky and strange and, and, strange,
0: and, it's, yeah. and it's and it's it's my go-to gift for storytellers like I know, every I time love <laughs> <laughs> I love you Dale I love you he keeps the press afloat <laughs> I keep I yeah and I keep buying that book but it's but harder it's,
1: now that I'm in Taurus Cove he used to I'm gonna
0: have to come it. buy a, a crate of them or something I know <laughs> yeah.
1: I know he used to just come around the corner
0: right, yeah. yeah but it is great it is a great book and I do love and I love it because it is really it's really of this place mm-hmm. and it's such a quirky weird little story and the ending is is it's so great. unexpected yeah. and fabulous yeah. and yeah. Yeah and and I and I love giving it to to storytellers uh, who have who have come from away you know I think it's a great kind of mm-hmm. g- Newfoundland gift you know those yeah. of you who are looking for a birthday and Christmas gifts. Peg bearskin yeah, is a great yeah. thing to give out.
1: Well, the thing that's nice about it too, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in the illustrations, um, the illustrator Ellie Cohen, she never shows Peg's face because she didn't want to be in a position of defining what is beautiful and what is not right and I think that's really subtle and really a really lovely thoughtful thing and the type that we use is called polyphilis and it's gorgeous the capital y is so beautiful <laughs> 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 this is where it gets really weird sorry but that's i mean i remember when i chose it i fell in love with the shape of the capital y and i thought this is just so great you know and um and it's just the whole nature of who peg is yeah and it just and that con- that collaboration of people ellie is such an amazing linocut artist and such a really remarkable character herself and then working with Andy and Philip and Mercedes and, and it was just a real wonderful combination of people at a, at a particular moment in my life when I was really ready for something like that yeah know, so
0: are there projects that have presented very specific technical challenges for you
1: um oh always everyone has its own little yeah. challenge. The one I'm working on right now with Jennifer Morgan and Bernice Morgan is is uh, the longest book I've ever done and that's provide that in itself just the length of it is is a challenge. So can
0: you can you can you let us in on what that, that book is about? Yeah. It's
1: oh it's a beautiful, it's a novella that Bernice wrote about yeah. a young missionary couple from Newfoundland who go to China and work just before the war the second world war. And it's a, it's the the woman reflecting after the death of her husband on that time and what happened in their life. And it's beautiful, it's absolutely stunning. Bernice is such a beautiful writer. And then Jennifer has done woodcut illustrations to go with it. Mm-hmm. So the text is shaped around some of the illustrations and and it's, it's kind of, I think when it's finished it'll be about 152 pages long. So that in itself is a bit of a challenge. So and then so you're setting all the type for, for I have that? the type made for that, okay. but I'm having to shape the type and make adjustments and make changes. We've done some editing and things like that. So some of the type i 'm setting, and some of it has already been made by Mr. Bixler, so
0: yeah, so wh- how does that work? do you you send him the text and what you want yep. per page, and then he
1: I send him the text and I send him the line like and it and 's because he prefers to do it that way when I first had a made type for Peg Bearskin, and I wanted to set the type by hand. I really, really wanted to because I love that book so much, and he said basically, but he has a uh, he has a monotype machine, and he has has he sort of types in. The letters and it makes adjustments, and there's this little strip of paper that feeds into the machine, and the cast iron or the molten lead comes out I, I, I've only seen it once and it was a very long time ago but he basically told me he would, he would charge me more just to make me letters because he would have to sit there and go A, 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 right, A, yeah. B, B, B so I just, I said okay in the spirit of economy I'll let you set the text. <laughs> but so he prefers to do it that way um,
0: and then how so how does it arrive then it, it, it arrives it, it seems like a very magical kind of process you know
1: no it's very it's, he sends it through the mail <laughs> and I get <laughs> I mean, very it, very heavy uh, very I, was, I remember I was, going to Wall Street once when some text, some type was arriving, and, and you know, and and some very sweet fella behind me in the line offered to help me with the parcels. I said, "Are you sure they're lit? <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Oh yes." And he gets in the look on his face. I said, "I, I told you they were lit. <laughs> you know?
0: I just have them. I just yep. visions of them coming packed in wood and sawdust in a great big crate. But is that no? It's much no, more modern no, now. No cardboard,
1: suppose. and uh, there's cardboard on top of them, and then there's usually like those like. Um, that awful popcorny stuff yeah. wrapped around them, and then they're in a bigger box, and there's always um, like a, like a metal band holding it in place. And but it's yes, but it's heavy, and the post office doesn't like you that much when right. you have that shipped. <laughs> but Someone's. Someone that's their, their problem. On that day. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're paid for. Yep. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so what's what's uh, what's next? What are you what are you working on next?
1: Well, there's the 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 ongoing Bernice Morgan project. Yeah, and another recitation by Dave Padden, which should be ready in a couple of weeks. I just have the cover left to do for that. It's a card game. Okay. You know you know the card game. I have about, heard him do the recitation about, about, yeah, yep. the card game. The he goes to play cards around the bay. Yeah. And then in terms of offset printing. We're, we're just about to send off um, a file for a, a wonderful collection of ghost stories by Tom Daw with woodcut illustrations by Veselina Tomova, and it's very creepy. Good. It's really good. I, really I, I will like it. Then. And, and <laughs> as with anything Tom does, I mean, the writing is just gorgeous. Yeah. It's very beautiful and thoughtfully crafted. And then the next book uh, after that, it's a big, we've got three in, in the next two years, um, is... a uh, book by Caris Cotter, who's told the story of the mysterious visitor to the Fairland Lighthouse when the Squires' family were living there, which is a wonderful ghost story. Yeah. And she's telling it from the perspective of Esther, who's the youngest daughter. And then Jerry has very kindly agreed to let us use some of his paintings and some family photographs, and he's done a few sketches. So that'll be a... It will be less creepy, but a really beautiful sort of celebration of that time when the Squires', squires were in the lighthouse, and Quite a quite a interesting and mysterious story. And then, of course, Andy Jones and Dark Erdelio are working on Jack Tale number five. Number five. Is number that, five, wow. I know, yeah. which, which should be next year as well. In 2016, that'll be out. And it, it's tentatively titled Jack and the Green Man. And it's really good. It's really, really funny.
0: Um, so, uh, Jack, uh, the, the Jack series, mm-hmm. I guess, yep. this started off with uh, the Queen the of Paradise Garden. Garden, yeah which again is a, is a traditional newfoundland folk tale yeah. and uh, told by retold yeah. reinterpreted by uh okay. by himself yeah. and uh, and
1: that's the closest that one is the closest to the original he he's he's, he's more more subdued in that one than in the, other, than the others. <laughs> but it was a yes. great it, it was it's a great a success oh, and, it is, and yeah, when it yeah. came
0: yeah. out like that was yeah. really a a, a very well received book
1: yep yeah. and it continues to be yeah, yeah. it's uh, we had to reprint it was very exciting yeah. And they have a puppet play that they do of that, which is absolutely gorgeous. Darka Erdeli designed the puppets, and of course, that's that's I me. Mean, that's her main work. Is she studied puppet sonography in Prague, and she works now at a puppet theater in Maribor, which is in a 12th century monastery. <laughs> State of the art theater. It's absolutely amazing. So that's I mean that's her job really. And um, now that she's moved back to Slovenia, Marilyn Bernard works the puppets. But Andy still travels around. He's been in Halifax. He's yeah. been in. Like, all of them, they've been to Banff, they've been to the National Arts Center doing that puppet play, it's a yeah, very
0: captivating little show. It's
1: yeah. really, it, and it's the intimacy of it, that's yeah. so, because... the
0: puppets are quite small, yeah, and, the, and, yeah. the, and the stage is kind of a box that that's, rotates around, so yeah. you have to be up in the action, you yeah. know, which I which I quite love. It's not like you're going to the theater and you're watching these giant things on stage, it's... No,
1: no, it's, it's a very, very intimate process. Very intimate, and, it, and that's yeah. one of its charms, yeah.
0: so... Yeah. So uh, so how many books would you generally do, or how many projects would you work on in the course of a year? You say you're doing three over the next two years, and that's... Yeah, I'm losing my mind, though. That's I mean, a this, lot for you. This, yeah. it's
1: a, it is a lot. And it's partly because I used to also either have a part-time job of some sort, or I did editing, uh, freelance editing, and things like that. And, I'm, and I just find that it's great to, to be able to pay the bills, but it's always a distraction from getting, running the goats work done. So with a new print shop, I just thought, I'm going to try and focus... More specifically on that, and um, and I'm also, I mean, just to be, I'm trying to get some Canada Council funding for the offset trade commercial aspect of the press, and I don't do enough books a year for them to do that. So I'm trying to meet at least that basic requirement of doing two or three books a year, um, trade books, and see. And if I can't get the funding, then I'll go back to doing fewer. But but I have a million projects that I want to do, so I might as well try and. Get it together and see if I can get a bit of support for the press.
0: And are you still doing smaller smaller projects like little chapbooks or broadsides? Are you doing that as well?
1: Yeah. Well, the, well, the the recitations—they're pretty the, small. Yeah. Those are yeah. Those like the card game, sixteen pages. Now I tend to do long, um, big runs of those because Dave is—he's going to every <laughs> festival everywhere. under the he's sun. Everywhere. Yeah. He, he, he came never on the stops. show and yeah, he never stops. Yeah. 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 So that so that you know, so but yeah, and then um, but I am doing and I like to do that and it's nice once. Once the Bernice Morgan project is out of the way, I'll be able to do more small ones. Because, I mean, a 152-page book, as you can imagine, is yeah. quite a
0: commitment in time. Yeah. So. And then you will be printing that in-house? Yeah. Oh, it's almost finished. Yeah. The text is
1: printed. The text is the printed. Text and is they, printed. we're working on the illustrations now.
0: And so. what's the cover going to be like?
1: I haven't decided yet. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me hard questions, Edit that part <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise. It's a surprise. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, if people want more information on uh, running the goat, where can they where can they go?
1: Well, I have a uh, website, runningthegoat.com. and I have a Facebook page, which is running the goat with a whole bunch of numbers after it. And I am even on Twitter, though I'm not very successful. At I'm not. A, I'm not on Twitter the way you're on Twitter too. <laughs> no. Um, so that's probably. But, the, but, but, the, but the also the print shop, like people, if you're out in Torrs Cove. Come on down, stop by. I even have a highway sign now I'm very excited about my highway sign. <laughs> and uh, I'm open six days a week, five and a half months of the year and if I'm not a, if it's not open officially, you know just see if I'm around because I'm around I'm happy to see people Well,
0: we will all be in for a cup of tea now. That's it. Okay, well, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Well, thank you for asking.
0: I'm Dale Jarvis, and our production assistant is Tara Barrett. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5, in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. You can find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Thanks for listening.